The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia is brought to you by Healthy Planet. This is 1059 The Region. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia. I'm Ann Romer, filling in for Tina Cortez and my co-host and expert on wellness and oh so much more from her home studio, Dr. Claudia. And today we are on the move. What do you mean by that? Ah, <laughs> uh, good afternoon, Anne. And of course, you got that right. We are going to be moving to keep the body moving. And the weather has definitely been on our side, especially during this Thanksgiving weekend. So I'm encouraging everyone to stay as active outdoors as possible. The fall colors are in full swing and getting fresh air and staying active is important for joint health. So movement is key. And, you know, physical distancing can be done so easily if you're outside. So let's talk about walking. It seems like such a simple, carefree, wonderful way to keep the joints lubricated. So someone like me, I have osteoarthritis in both knees, and I find it really difficult to walk, Dr. Claudia. I know, and I, we have talked about this, and I have a lot of patients who have a lot of pain due to arthritis. So walking for me is always the best thing to do. So even if you have some discomfort, you don't have to walk for an hour, maybe 10 minutes, and maybe switch your activity a little bit to something that is less invasive, so less pounding. So if we have to bring things indoors and use a stationary bike, that's okay as well. But walking and keeping the joints lubricating, applying as many kind of, you know, topical solutions as you can uh, is a great place to start. And then we can talk about other treatment options that might help you maintain your level of activity. So why does walking help to lubricate the joints? Well, because you're moving them, right? So when you're moving the joints, you're causing the blood and fluids to pump through the vessels and it gets into those joints and it just keeps things moving. It's like a car that's been sitting in the garage all winter and the first time you start it, it takes a while for the engines and everything to get moving. Well, our body is generally the same way. So walking and moving is really good for overall joint health and for overall health in general. So let's get your advice. How long each day should one walk? And should they walk quickly? Should they go on an incline or a decline? Tell us maybe on grass as opposed to pavement. What are your best suggestions? So I still believe that walking is the best activity for everyone of any fitness level. And all that is recommended is 20 minutes per day. And it's, I like to take it a step further. I encourage my patients, those who can physically do it, to create a combination of moderate to rigorous activity to get the most benefit. So what that means is you start at a good pace, you slowly increase the pace because you want to be able to reach your target heart rate. We're going to talk about that in one second. If you're going to be walking outside, I love the idea of walking a little bit on pavement. If you have to get on grass, just kind of varies the pounding on the body if you're between concrete and a bit of grass. It's actually good for the ankles to have that, you know, different type of texture because it creates better proprioception. Now, back to the target heart rate. It's really important at any age to reach that target heart rate, and it's an easy, easy calculation. What you do is you take your age. We won't talk about that. You don't have to tell me your age, but we ta- we take 220, subtract your age from that, and that is your target heart rate. 
So at some point in your activity, you calculate your heart rate with a device or you multiply it yourself, and there you have it. You should reach the target heart rate. Mine is somewhere between 175 and 170, so I try to make sure that mine is right there. So joint health and joint integrity, what is meant by each of those? Okay, so joint health, we have to understand there's a couple of things that we need to maintain the integrity. So integrity means that the muscles, joints, and ligaments are operating properly and they're doing their job together in unison. So the muscles are, are nice and tight but still loose enough. The tendons are not getting too um, restricted and they're able to move the joint. So two things stand out in my mind when we're talking about integrity and health, and that's keeping weight down. You must be at a healthy weight in order for there to be less pressure on your joints, particularly the hips and the knees. Um, adding some strength training to your workouts is also important because that will maintain the, the integrity of the muscles, which means that the muscles are able to support the joints. You had mentioned applying lotions and such to maybe ease the pain, the joint pain. How do you feel about over-the-counter solutions and also vitamins or supplements to help deal with joint issues? Oh my gosh, I'm a huge advocate for a couple of things. I love the idea of using Tramiel. It's natural. You can buy it at a health food store and it helps to, uh, it, it's really good for soft tissues, those being muscles and ligaments. Um, I also love the idea of including a collagen protein to your daily diet. So whether it's in a powder or a pill, I just take it in a powder. I take it every single day, and it's good for rebuilding the collagen in our bodies, and that is where it exists is in our joints. So I'm a huge advocate for all that. It's important to add it every day. So there is hope that some of the joint integrity can be rebuilt, you know what, you can. I mean, listen, if you're at the point where your knees need to be replaced, absolutely. I mean, it's not going to do you any harm, but you probably will likely still need to replace the knee. But if you're at the point in your life where you just want to maintain your activity, you're starting to feel the effects of a little bit of arthritic change, then yes, adding those things to your daily life and maintaining activity are really going to help to stop the progression of osteoarthritis. And one of the simplest ways, as you have said, is to go for a walk, take a hike. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I'm going to be doing this afternoon, later this afternoon. <laughs> that would be post-Thanksgiving uh, delicious uh, food that one <laughs> might consume over Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I got to walk it all off for sure. So let's now encapsulate what we're going to talk about today on The Wellness Prescription. Absolutely. We're going to be joined by uh, an orthopedic surgeon who's going to talk to us about the knees and all things knee and how to keep the joints happy and healthy. Dr. Claudia, thank you. And when we come back, as mentioned, an orthopedic surgeon dedicated to improving the life of his patients. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059theregion or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia is brought to you by Healthy Planet. This is 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. I'm Ann Romer. Over now to Dr. Claudia with today's amazing guest. 
Well, joining us today on the Wellness Prescription is orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Jihad Abuwali. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here. I thought we could start by telling listeners a little bit about what makes up the knee joint and why it is important to keep it a healthy joint. Yes, the knee is actually the largest joint in the body and is known as a hinge joint that bends backwards and forwards with some rotation. The architecture of the joint is quite intricate, consisting of bones, cartilage, muscles, ligaments, as well as nerves and blood vessels. The knee is a weight-bearing joint and supports the weight of our entire body, so it's important to have a healthy and strong foundation to support our bodies. Are there certain activities that contribute to the breakdown of the knee joint? For instance, if I may, in my own life, I was a figure skater as a younger person, a runner, a fitness instructor, a hill climber, and now I have big issues with both knee joints. Overall, there are two main contributors as to why someone's knee might break down over time. Uh, There are the mechanical factors, so how much force is being applied across their joints and how much weight the body has to carry. Um, And the second factor is the the biology of the joints. What's the nutritional status? Is it receiving good uh, blood flow, good lubrication? If someone is at higher risk of having uh, poor health to their knee, then some of the higher impact activities may not be advisable and can lead to some breakdown of the joints. And so uh, in my daily practice, I recommend, you know, I, I talk about all the time, movement is key, so moving the body to keep the body, body moving. Do you recommend both walking or running as well as weight training to keep the knee joint strong and um, healthy? Yes, absolutely. Weight-bearing exercises are very important for bone health to prevent conditions such as osteoporosis. So both walking and running, if it's not painful, it, it's highly recommended. Uh, Furthermore, the knee needs to be supported by good muscle tone, not only to stabilize the joint, but to help reduce pressure on it as well. So these exercises can be quite helpful. So, doctor, what are some of the risk factors? We think about aging, for one thing. Maybe joint issues are hereditary. I don't know uh, if you're overly active or very active, but what if you're sedentary? Is it just a fait accompli that as you age, you're going to have issues with your knee joints? There are some known risk factors, such as having a family history of osteoarthritis, and certainly some major injuries from sports or other accidents can predispose one to getting osteoarthritis. That being said, we recommend an active lifestyle and trying to be as fit as possible rather than being sedentary, uh, because being or having a more sedentary lifestyle will certainly accelerate uh, your chance of getting arthritis rather than having strong, healthy muscles, uh, bones, and joints. And so one of the things that I deal with, again, I always bring it back to my daily practice because I deal, I treat so many people who want to be active or people who just want to get back into an active lifestyle. So is joint, um, like what are some of the signs that someone is developing arthritis in the knee and what are the recommendations for that? Well, arthritis tends to develop very slowly over time. It has a very gradual onset, and patients will describe their pain as being dull in nature, tends to be worse with prolonged activity or standing, and sometimes there may be swelling or stiffness of the joint. So to try and, you know, prevent this or slow this down, 
again, we start with simple things, an exercise program, maintaining a healthy weight, uh, or perhaps seeing um, a clinician such as a physiotherapist or chiropractor. Is it then recommended that a patient with arthritis continues to be active, and, and how active? Yes, absolutely. As long as the pain is tolerable, um, remaining active is actually the best way to manage early arthritis with an exercise program. This will help keep the joints flexible um, and, again, improve the muscle tone, which will support the knee and reduce the pressure. Um, so overall, we really want to strive to remain active, even if the patient does have some early arthritis, because this is the best way to slow down the progression. I love the sound of that because I encourage everybody to keep as active as possible and maybe switch up the activity so that you're not doing the same activity every day so that, you know, one day you're, you know, I I recommend walking. If somebody is a runner, run, you know, a little bit and then maybe switch it over to something like non-weight bearing, so water exercise or like a um, stationary bicycle. I love the idea of that. But we do know that joints get degenerative. And so what are the treatment options? So if somebody presented to you, what would be your treatment suggestions or options for these patients? Right. So I agree with what you said about trying to have a mix of low-impact exercises as well as uh, some light-impact exercises if they can tolerate that to keep the muscles and joints healthy. Um, You know, often a referral to a physiotherapist or a clinic may be helpful, as well as prescribing a brace for impact activities. And in more moderate cases, we move towards injections that are specialized to help improve the health of the joints. And finally, as cases become more severe, surgery may be required. You know, you talk about treatments. What about prevention? And at what stage in life should one be thinking about preventing the onset of arthritis or joint immobility? Well, I think it's an ongoing thing that we always have to be mindful of to keep our bodies and joints healthy, especially if you know you have a family history, perhaps your parents have had knee replacements at an earlier age. It's something that should always be um, on your mind to stay fit and healthy. So again, having good strength of your entire body, not just your knee joints, but your entire body, uh, maintaining good cardiovascular fitness and strength training It's something that should always uh, be a part of our regular routine, but again, especially if you have some risk factors uh, to develop arthritis. And so I know we talk about, you know, trying to delay the knee replacement uh, procedure. So why would we try to delay it and at what stage, um, and is there a time limit? Like, can you at some point say, well, now it's too late to replace the knee? Is there a particular window where we should really consider that if it's necessary, we need to do it? The reason we recommend delaying a knee replacement or any joint replacement is that they don't last forever. Typically, they have uh, a life expectancy of about 20 to 25 years, depending on your age. And so if someone is quite young, let's say in their 50s, they may need a second or third knee replacement if they're already getting their first at a young age. So generally, we try and, uh, you know, get people to an age where they may only need one knee replacement. So maybe in their mid to late 60s would be the minimum age uh, we strive for. Um, 
That being said, some people will need it at a, at a younger age, but it's always better if we can delay it um, to, to make sure that they only need one for their entire lives. And that's what I've been doing, Dr. Abu Ali. Uh, let me ask you this. I've done my homework uh, as a person who has osteoarthritis in both knees, and my activity level has had to change as a result. But, you know, I'm still mobile and I'm still active and fit, trying the best I can. So I looked into uh, partial knee replacement. I believe it's called the Oxford Technique, and only a few surgeons in Canada perform this versus a full knee replacement. What are your thoughts on the difference and who is the best candidate for partial or for full replacement? Yes, that's a great question. So the knee is comprised of three main compartments or sections of the knee, and each one of those sections can develop osteoarthritis. In select cases, only one of the compartments may develop osteoarthritis, and in these cases, you may be able to get a partial knee replacement or an Oxford knee replacement, as you mentioned. However, in most patients, all of the compartments are affected to some degree, and the outcomes of the patient, for the patients are much better if a total knee replacement is performed. That way you treat the entire knee, make sure you're not leaving behind any arthritis. So I think the Oxford can be effective for a very small percentage of the population. However, most people will require a total knee replacement. And has the full knee replacement improved the technique, the the, the recovery time, the, the pain? I know my mother, uh, who in her 60s had a full knee replacement, she was in pain. This was 30 years ago. She was in pain for a long time, and the recovery was very, very difficult. Have things improved? Yes, things have improved dramatically over you know the last few decades. We've worked on techniques to make surgeries go more predictably. Um, they can be done in shorter periods of time. We have ways to manage pain better, whether it's through our colleagues, our anesthesia colleagues who are helping with nerve blocks or post-operative medications. And finally, we're now able to do a lot of surgeries as a day surgery where patients can actually leave the hospital the day of their operation. Um, so we're working towards getting patients back on their feet much quicker with less pain than we could do before. So I, you know, my practice is all about keeping people healthy and feeling young forever because that's my motto. I want to be 29 forever. So in the event that we do have to recommend a knee replacement, I think one of the big questions I get all the time is, oh my gosh, what is the recovery like? Am I going to be in pain? Am I going to be debilitated or out of commission for four to six months? If you could tell listeners what they should expect after and how much rehab they might need, that would be awesome. Sure. So from the very beginning, as I mentioned before, some patients may require one or two nights stay in the hospital, but some patients are going home the same day. Um, when you do go home, you will be uh, required to use either crutches or a walker to help with mobility in the early stages, and this can last for about a month's time. Uh, a good physiotherapy program may start in the hospital and certainly will continue on outside the hospital for approximately three to six months until uh, good range of motion, uh, strength, and a normalized gait or walking pattern has been achieved. In terms of the pain, it is a major orthopedic surgery, so of course some pain will be expected. However, we're always working on new techniques 
whether it's nerve injections or specialized medications to help reduce pain and make sure patients are uh, as comfortable as possible after their procedure. Dr. Abuwali, do you have a story of a patient, nameless, of course, who has recovered and gone on to, you know, perhaps run marathons when he or she didn't before or, or just was able to embrace the knee surgery, replacement surgery, and move on to uh, an even more productive, fit life? Yes, I think a lot of our patients are in the situation where they're seeing uh, a downward trend or deterioration of their activities and lifestyle. So for most patients, after having a knee replacement, they feel significant improvement and can get back, to, get back to more activities than they were doing before. I'm also a sports orthopedic surgeon, so a lot of my patients are performing high-level or elite-level athletics. And so while we don't always recommend it for everyone, there are certain patients that go back to competitive sports with a joint replacement. So it is possible, and I do feel that most patients feel significantly improved with their activities of daily living as well as their athletics after surgery. I think that's fantastic, just giving people hope that they can maintain a level of activity and be healthy. Um, I I wanted to backtrack a little bit. You said before that there were a few options available, and we mentioned injections. Let's go back and talk a little bit about what uh, what are those options. Uh, that you can uh, provide for a patient who might want to delay uh, a replacement? So for injection therapies for the knee, there are really three kinds that we tend to use. The first and most traditional one is known as cortisone, which is a steroid. Uh, This can provide temporary pain relief as it brings down the inflammation in the joint, Um, but unfortunately does not last very long, and it can have some side effects. So cortisone is used sparingly in my practice, the other two more effective injections are either an injection called uh, hyaluronic acid, which acts as a natural lubricant uh, to the knee, or an even more advanced injection called platelet-rich plasma. Uh, platelet-rich plasma is where we take a patient's own blood, which is then spun to extract uh, the platelets within the blood. And once these platelets are injected into the knee, they can create a lot of healing and release growth factors that naturally bring down the inflammation and create, creates longer-lasting uh, pain relief and benefit. Well, I can't thank you enough. You've clarified so many things for us. I think we, the key here is that we should remain as active as we can for as long as we can. Uh, so keep the body moving in order to keep it moving. But I'm sure that listeners might want more information and want to be able to see all the amazing work you do. And if that's the case, where can they find you? I'd encourage everyone to go onto my website at www.torontosportsdoc.com or follow me on Instagram at Toronto Sports Doc for more information about knee health uh, and other things that I do. Wow, that was just great. Everything we need, K-N-E-E-D, to know about knee health. <laughs> Dr. Claudia, please remind our listeners just how they can connect with you. You can find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Machiella or my website, www.claudiamachiella.com.
And that's our show. For previous broadcasts of The Wellness Prescription, please go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thank you for listening. Tina is back next week. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia was brought to you by Healthy Planet. This is 1059 The Region. Connect with us on Twitter at 1059 The Region or call 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. This is 1059 The Region.